Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. The Los Angeles Lakers have taken the uh, feared 3-1 series lead over the Denver Nuggets. The 3-1 kids, the kids who, uh, let's not forget, uh, came back from a 3-1 deficit to the Los Angeles Clippers, who are no longer in the NBA playoffs, uh, but also escaped defeat from the Utah Jazz. Um, the Lakers have them right where they want them, or maybe you know they have them right where the Nuggets want them. Daniel, Lakers up 3-1. How are you feeling? Feeling great. You know, the Nuggets played extremely well in Game 4 uh, to the point where I thought there was a chance that they would take it there in the uh, in the second half and, you know, take a take a good hold on the game. But the Lakers really, really played well down the stretch. And overall, I thought it was just a great win. You know, I, I think as, <laughs> as Laker fans, you know, you're kind of scared of the 3-1 Cinderella story, whatever. You know, it's kind of tough to see what's happened already count the Denver Nuggets out, but the Lakers are just that good. I think, you know, this thing's going to wrap, be wrapped up in five. Yeah, absolutely. And just from a pure uh, basketball fan standpoint, this game was fantastic. Uh, Lakers, you know, they outscored them in the first quarter, kind of got off, I think it was to, yeah, seven-point lead. And then the rest of the game, man, was just, you know, shot for shot, uh, possession by possession, just, you know, they were going back and forth all game. There was a few little runs here and there that would either pull the Lakers a little bit ahead or, you know, uh, shrink the gap for the Denver Nuggets, but I believe the Lakers' largest lead in this game was, yeah, 12 points. Uh, they ended up winning by six. Um, it was just a great game, man. Just from a basketball fan, you know, turn off the Lakers' bias for a second, just a pure basketball fan. I was on the edge of my seat this entire game. Um, you know, the Nuggets really brought it, you know, down the stretch. You know, Jamal Murray couldn't miss. Uh, Monty Morris hit a big shot. I think it was an and one. Uh, Paul Millsap hit that big three in the corner. Um, they just couldn't miss, man. And then on the Lakers' side of things, you know, you had – you know, AD had that scary foul, but he hit two big free throws off that. Rondo had that wide open mid range jumper that he hit, and it was just, man, it, it was it was a gritty game. Uh, definitely the most I don't want to say worried, but the most intense I've felt thus far through the NBA playoffs. Just edge of my seat, you know, sweaty palms and whatnot, because this was a big game. The difference between three one and two two is huge. Yeah, absolutely, and I love the way the Lakers did come out and play. And I felt like you know there were a couple guys that had uh, subpar nights, but. Everybody that we kind of needed to be on board and playing their A game kind of was. I mean, LeBron and AD did their thing. Typical, you know, LeBron close with the triple-double. AD, 34 points. Dwight Howard played great in getting the start tonight. I like that they made that switch. I know we talked about that at times in the Rocket – or not the Rocket series, but uh, – or, yeah, we did talk about that in the Rocket series. How we saw Dwight Howard as a more formidable starting option than JaVale McGee. Yep. And JaVale McGee only got five minutes and you know, when the Lakers were up by a good margin. Uh, I'd rather see Dwight Howard be playing 20 minutes when a team is running a traditional center like uh, the Nuggets are with Plumlee and Jokic. And KCP had another great night. I mean, three of nine from three, you can live with that because a lot of those were uh, just last-second shots. Yeah, Kuzma, even, you know, he contributed. He wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> Rondo was good again. Yeah. You know, I, I like to see that out of him. But overall, yeah, I thought it was a great collective team effort. I thought everybody gave their all, and you know they came out on top because of it. Yeah, to touch on Dwight Howard, too, just like you did, um, I, I genuinely do feel like, and he's kind of done this to himself, so it's, it's one of those things where you kind of don't feel bad because you know it is kind of caused by his actions. But he really is 
one of the most underrated centers in the league. I'm not saying he's a top five, top 10 center, but you know, he's a veteran presence. He's still a good shot blocker. Um, and he can put up, you know, 10 and 10 on a nightly basis. If he's given the minutes efficiently, like he did tonight, 12 points, 11 boards. He didn't actually have a block, which is a little bit surprising, but he did have a steal, um, six offensive rebounds. That's huge. We talked about it last game, how the Lakers, you know, the rebounding was terrible and they only had four offensive rebounds opposed to the 10.9 or whatever they averaged in the regular season. Um, he had more offensive rebounds tonight than the Lakers had all of last game. And obviously I think Vogel put him in for that reason. Um, you know, I, I just think Dwight really is overlooked. Like I said, he kind of did it to himself, but moving forward, I know he's, you know, it was a one year non guaranteed contract, but he's someone I hope is on the Lakers moving forward. You know, if that means JaVale McGee, you know, packs a bag and they bring back DeMarcus Cousins or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm really liking Dwight, and I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like Dwight Howard, too. I remember when we first got him, I was like, I was excited about it because I thought he still had a lot to contribute to the Lakers. I thought, you know, in a small role, he'll be just fine. Um, especially that was when DeMarcus Cousins was healthy. And I had people telling me like, oh, well, he says he's in the best shape of his life everywhere he goes, you know, like don't expect anything from him. <laughs> but he really showed out, and there were points during the season where he was easily the third best player on the team. Um, yeah. I really think that at this stage of his career, even with his age, I think he could average 15 and 15 if given 30, 35 minutes a night. Yeah, he was a focal point in the offense, and a team was more you know geared towards playing down low. Dwight Howard would be an absolute force. I mean, he has been for the Lakers even in in a smaller role. You know, he he's been really really thriving within him his own role. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, too, um, I don't want to make excuses for him, but, I mean, look where he's played, you know, so he had his Lakers stint, that obviously went wrong, but who knows how far that team goes if Kobe doesn't get hurt that year, you know, Kobe was stellar to end that season before he got hurt, and they could have made a run, you know, I'm not saying they would have won the finals or something, but they could have made a deepish run, and then he goes to Houston, which, yeah, the, the him and Harden partnership should have succeeded more than it did, but Houston's kind of, and Harden specifically, kind of has like a history of underperforming in the playoffs. So I don't know if we can necessarily hold that against Dwight so much. And then he plays on three teams that are irrelevant, you know, the Hawks for a year, um, the Hornets for a year, and then he played nine games for the Wizards last year um, and then got hurt. You know, when you kind of find yourself on these non-contending teams, you kind of can find yourself in the lull. I understand how it's hard to maybe get up and have that same energy as if when you're playing on the Lakers, you know, it's just like in baseball when a team's out of the playoff run in a 162 game season in, you know, July, you know, what is there to really, it's hard to get up and kind of get motivated. You know, not everyone's Michael Jordan where they're going to, you know, motivate themselves to not fail. And, you know, now he finds himself on a contending team and what do you know? He's playing better. Yeah. His averages are down, but his playing time's down. Um, his per 36 numbers are fantastic. Let's see. He's averaging 14.3 points and 14 boards per 36 minutes. Um, he's been great. You know, he made an impact game one, kind of getting in Jokic's head, made an impact here. And maybe you could be a Crusoe stand and I'll just transition to, into a Dwight Howard stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of like that they play him alongside AD on the floor. It's almost like the Twin Towers, like reminiscent yeah. of the Bynum and Gasol type of uh type of dynamic yeah. that the Lakers used to have in the early or late 2000s. Yeah. Um, it, it works, man. It works. When you have two seven footers against a team like the Nuggets that likes to drive to the rim, they like to shoot their threes. Sure. But they like, they like to attack the basket. I mean, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic love to be around the rim. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's a force. It's a force. When you play those two alongside each other, 
it's almost like nobody's going to get anything up. You have the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year, and you have a former Defensive Player of the Year download. Like, that's more than impressive. Yeah, and I I mean, I did kind of overestimate them going into the year. Uh, Just hand up. I remember writing an article about how the Lakers would – there was like a certain blocks per game number that I thought they would challenge. It's like only the Thunder from like the Kevin Durant days – um, got close to challenging it. I thought the Lakers were going to do that just because they had so many shot blockers. It ended up they ended up leading the league, I believe, but they didn't come close to that number. But man, Dwight Howard, I'm a Dwight Howard stan. Um, but it was more than just the rebounding. You know, he helped with the rebounding, particularly the offensive rebounding. Uh, they shot better. They shot, I believe, 23% from three last game, and then this game they shot 33, which isn't fantastic, but definitely all the Lakers really need to do to win these games. Um, that's kind of the threshold I think would be around 33, one out of three attempts. And then um, they got to the free throw line more. Uh, you know, that was kind of a storyline going into the game. They kind of complained to the league officials on uh, not getting enough free throws. And I know LeBron, you know, kind of gets – he gets crap. And he definitely is protected in a sense. Every superstar athlete in every sport is. Um, you know, you look at, like, Tom Brady in the NFL getting calls. And I'm not going to pretend, like, LeBron doesn't get certain calls that maybe other guys wouldn't. Um, maybe someone like Jared Dudley wouldn't. But he's not the only star, I think, that gets protected from things. And it is true that, you know, he was driving the same amount. His usage rate was the same amount and his free throw numbers were down. So the Lakers argument kind of was, you know, if you're going to call these in the regular season or even earlier in the playoffs, you kind of have to stay consistent with it. You can't just switch it up now. And, you know, they started calling fouls more. I believe LeBron got to the line, I think, 12 times, 13 times, uh, 14 Mm -hmm. times, uh, made 11 of 14, which is great for him. Um, You know, some people are going to say he doesn't deserve to get to the line that much. But, you know, I think it was justified. Yeah, definitely. Something that I noticed within the box score was that the Nuggets actually shot better just from at overall field goal percentage, three-point mm-hmm. percentage, and free throw percentage, and the Lakers still were able to pull it out. Yeah, um, just going alongside with the uh, with the free throw numbers, LeBron went 11 for 14, and AD went 13 for 14. You know, that, that accounts for 80% of their attempts and 86% of their makes on the night from the free throw line. That's yeah. really, really good if you're going to be saying that. I mean, if if LeBron and AD would be shooting from the free throw line like they have before game four, and they did that in game four, the Lakers might be tied up with the Nuggets right now too, too. I think it really came down to the free throw shooting, that huge improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And like you mentioned, you know, the Nuggets shot better uh, from the field, from three and from free throw. Uh, The attempts were pretty similar. Lakers actually had more attempts. And, you know, I think it just comes back to the, the offensive rebounding, you know, second chance points. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but uh, they had more second chance points and they made eight more free throws than the Nuggets, which is the difference. They won by six points. So like you said, if LeBron has a mediocre night, if he makes, you know, eight of 14, there's a three point swing. And then who knows what happens if they make that three in the last possession, this game goes to overtime. And like you said, it could be two, two. Um, There was a little bit of a scare though, uh, related to the free throws. And that was AD's ankle injury. Uh, He kind of came down. There's kind of a, I don't think it was necessarily dirty, but a questionable closeout. I think it was Paul Millsap. Uh, people were worried that he stepped on his ankle. He didn't. He just kind of tweaked it on his way down. Um, my immediate reaction was just I, I didn't know how to react because, you know, the way the things have gone, it's kind of like everything's lining up for the Lakers to potentially win their 17th championship. Uh, the Bucks are out. The Clippers are out. Yeah, the Heat and the Celtics are both great teams, and we'll touch on them a little bit later, but the Lakers are definitely the favorites. And then, you know, of course, 2020, Anthony Davis would, you know, hurt his ankle right before that. And that would be the reason why the Lakers can't, like, fulfill this promise. Um, It looks like he's going to be okay, but I was definitely worried for a second there. Yeah, yeah. I thought 
man, when he went down like that, I was not really feeling too good about it. Yeah. Um, I really thought it was going to be more serious than it was, but I actually saw on Twitter. I went immediately to Twitter because, you know, there's a very good sports community of doctors, sports yeah. doctors who give a really like, you know, unbiased opinion, give a really good medical perspective. And somebody said it was just an ankle version, which yeah, it's painful, but it's super minor. He very easy to come back in, in game five without being slowed down, especially with a day rest. That's yeah. what I was reading. So taking that and the fact that he said that he's feeling fine, he's ready to go, he rolled it pretty bad, but I'll be fine is what he said. Um, full confidence that he's going to come out and he's not going to be a step slow. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, ankle versions on Google right now, and it, it just it looks like your typical rolled ankle, you know what I mean, that we've all done before, um, mm-hmm. and he's probably fine. Funny story, uh, my best friend growing up, his name is Tyler. Uh, we were playing basketball in my front yard. I believe we were in middle school. Yeah, we were in middle school. And uh, we were trying to do – I think that was, like, right when the Lob City days started. So we were trying to do, like, some Lob City stuff, even though we couldn't touch the rim. And I threw him a pass, and he stepped off the driveway. And there was probably, like, a good, like, 8-inch, maybe 6-inch kind of gap between the driveway and the dirt on the side. And he rolled his ankle off the side. And uh, I thought it was just like an AD injury, you know, just just an ankle version. That's what eighth grade Jason said. Uh, didn't say that. But I was like, oh, you're <laughs> fine. Come on, walk it off. Let's go inside, get some ice on it. Made him walk by himself uh, inside, got some ice on it. You know, I thought he was being a little bit dramatic because he's like, dude, it hurts so much. I can't walk. Turns out he like broke his growth plate and I made him walk on it inside oh like by himself. Uh, and was, was just telling him like, yeah, it's just a rolled ankle, man. So, uh, you know, I'm not an ankle expert. I think that was the moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad he was on crutches for like two months poor, <laughs> poor guy Tyler if you're listening to this sorry that Jason's such a bad friend <laughs> um and then LeBron man we touched on AD uh LeBron you know he had a better game for sure uh he still took I mean this is what I kind of remember from the game and it's probably just me looking at the bad more than the good but he took an, another of those uh dumb threes from like 40 feet out with a hand in his face yep, and missed it uh. um but overall, besides that, I mean, he wasn't as great from the field. Uh, 7 of 18, that's definitely not bad. Um, <laughs> nine boards, eight assists. The thing that I really took away, though, 26 points, was his defensive stands at the end of the game. Uh, he wanted Jamal Murray, and I believe there was two key drives by Jamal Murray where LeBron played good defense. I think one of them could have been called a foul. I don't think it was a foul, but just based on what they call, I think they could have called it. The other one, I think, was completely clean. And then he also had that huge uh, kind of just got in uh, Jokic's face. I believe it was Jokic. Kind of got his hand in his face. Jokic airballed a corner three. That was just good defense. LeBron kind of just stood there. Mm-hmm. He played defense how I play defense. He stood there, put his hand literally in Jokic's eyes, like so he couldn't see the rim, and then you know didn't touch him to prevent you know a potential four-point play. Um, that's huge by LeBron. It just shows he's not this terrible defender that, you know, some Laker haters like to say he is. Yeah, definitely. When he commits himself on defense, he's actually very gifted, just given how good of a, you know, athlete he is overall. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it's tough to call somebody a bad defender if, A, they're not trying, or B, they're actually athletic enough to be able to play really solid defense. Yeah, I mean, even if he's passable or average on the defensive end, he he's gonna be just fine because you know you're gonna get plus plus offense so yeah. it's fine i i i really like that he took charge really stepped up for the team and took on jamal murray you know i think he saw um guys who were on jamal murray all game including my boy caruso not really playing as great of defense as we've come to expect rondo kept getting cooked by murray 
I mean, it's hard to stay in front of Murray. Murray's a, a very talented player. He's very explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like LeBron stepping up. Yeah, and I mean, he's made six all defensive teams. Uh, five of those are first teams. Granted, the last time he made it was 2014. That was a second team. But even in these later years when he kind of stopped trying as much defensively, he was still always, I believe, uh, I don't I don't know if I would say elite. You know, I'm going to say elite just help defender. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's come up with so many key blocks and moments and just his basketball IQ alone will make, he knows where to be at the right time, you know, who to put where, um, it's just an effort thing. You know, he knows not to go full board for the entire season, but you know, great defensive, uh, uh, you know, possessions just like against the Clippers when he uh, shut down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Let's not forget that, uh, the Clippers blew a three one lead to the Denver Nuggets and they're out of the playoffs. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you mentioned Caruso, uh, your, your gold player. He wasn't too great tonight. I mean, he did play decent enough defense, but there were some possessions where, you know, Murray cooked him. Um, same offensive stat line that he always has. Three points, uh, a block, a steal, uh, two assists. <laughs> yeah, not great. He not did, great. Not great. He made a three, though. And I did say last game, if they would have got one three from Caruso, Rondo, and Davis, they would have won the game, or at least it would have been closer. All three of those guys each made one three. Look what happened. Yep. It's all because of you, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all because of you. Markeith Morris, on the other hand, uh, my gold player, I don't think he had a great game. I mean, it's not that I don't think he had a great game. He didn't have a great game. Um, Six fouls, fouled out, uh, 17 minutes. He only attempted two shots. He missed his only three-pointer, and he had uh, two really bad fouls at the end of the game that were just kind of inexcusable. There was the foul on the Lakers had the ball. I believe they were up six with like a minute 30 left. Um, they're melting the clock. You know, if they get a back basket there, the game's pretty much over. Uh, Morris just committed an ugly foul. He like held the defender, the Nuggets defender. Um, and then like, on the defensive end committed another foul, but he wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fouling out in 17 minutes is never good, especially when you're negative on the defense or the offensive end. Yeah. I mean, he just, you know, he, he's been great in these playoffs though. So I can't really knock him too much. If this was a consistent thing, you know, we could talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, maybe decreasing his minutes. But I, I've really liked what I've seen from him. I think uh, it's more just a bump in the road in terms of game four for him. Yeah. Uh, game five, I would expect him to come out, you know, make a couple threes like he has been. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think he's been fine. Yeah, and it was just – it was that foul that really got me going because LeBron was driving. It looked like he had the defender beat. You know, that's two points. There would have been a minute – you know, minute 20-ish left on the clock. Lakers would have been up eight. At that point, you know, it's, like, really comfortable. Instead, you know, he commits that foul. Then they go on the other side of the floor. Um, they score, so then it becomes a closer game. And I think that was right before Rondo made his mid-range J. If Rondo misses that, you know, this is a completely different game. You know, the Nuggets get the ball back. Who knows what happens? So, in the moment, I was looking at that foul like, great, this is going to be what loses the game. And, of course, it comes from my gold player. Um, and then our purple players, though, Yet again, not really doing anything. Uh, Paul Millsap had five points. Gary Harris had three. They both played a combined, I believe that's 36 minutes. They were two from eight from the field, uh, two from four from three. I mean, maybe we should have made Jeremy Grant our purple player, just combined, because he's just balled out this playoff series, at least the last two games. Yeah. Yeah, he's been playing a lot of minutes, too, because of it. I mean, 17 points in 42 minutes. Well, that's not great. When you're the third option on your team, that's pretty, pretty good. I mean, Millsap and Harris combined in 30 – I have 34 minutes. I know you said 36. I don't know what it is. But eight points, eight rebounds, and three assists from two players in 34 minutes, not great. Not yeah. great at all. On ESPN, it says uh, 19 and 17. So, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I got 18 and 16. 
Interesting. Oh, I think I yeah. think uh, ESPN just rounds up. So if you have like 18, 20, they just round up to 19, uh-huh. I think, on the box score. Got it. Yeah, that, that would make sense then. Um, yeah, and then uh, Mason Plumley, or is it Mild? No, it's Mason, right? Mason. One of the Plumleys. Um, yep, Mason. You didn't let me make him my purple player. He got 14 minutes, only had three points, but he had 14 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should be glad that he wasn't your purple player because he's awful. He doesn't even need your curse to, to play poorly. <laughs> uh, one thing I kind of was confused by while we're touching on the Nuggets is, uh, I believe it's Mark Malone or Mike Malone? Um, Michael you know, Malone, Mike yeah. Malone. What was he doing with Jokic at the end of the game there? I mean, I get that he was in foul trouble, but, like, what are you saving him for? He was taking him out on defensive possessions so the Lakers wouldn't, you know, kind of attack him and get him to foul out. I get that. You don't want, you know, your best player to foul out, but you're losing the game. Um, It's kind of – I feel like it hurts. You know, I heard him talk about this on TNT. I believe it was uh, Kenny the Jet Smith said this. Like, it's hard to get in a rhythm when you're just getting pulled out for defense, put back in for offense, pulled out, put it – you know, that's what he was doing. Um, And then it kind of – it kind of hurt them because Rondo had that huge offensive rebound, which if Jokic was in the game, maybe that doesn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't get that. I get you don't want him to foul out, but what are you saving him for? It's the end of the game. Are you saving him just in case it goes to overtime? I mean, I, I just don't get it. I think personally, if I was an NBA coach, he would have been in the entire time, but who knows? That's why I'm just a podcaster, not a coach. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's kind of like, what are you waiting for? Right? Like, yeah, he has five fouls, but you've got to milk the minutes out of him. I think this happened in a similar situation with somebody else on the Lakers in one of the first two series where we were saying the same exact thing. Caruso. Jokic is even more – was it Caruso? Yeah, when he only played 16 minutes. It was Rondo's first game back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But, yeah, I mean, Jokic is a superstar. It's you got to milk those minutes until you can't anymore. Yeah. Because what if he never picks up that six foul? What if he play? What if he plays smart to the point where he doesn't pick up the six foul? You just pretty much nixed multiple minutes from that guy, who yeah. is your best or second best player in the bubble right now. It just doesn't make any sense to me uh, from a fan perspective. I know I'm not qualified to be able to speak on it, considering I'm not an NBA coach. And you know, <laughs> Michael Malone is. He's a great coach. I yeah. think he's great. He's been great the last couple of years for Denver. But it's just – it's really a head-scratcher in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I don't – you know, if this was the Lakers and the Lakers were trailing five and they didn't have Anthony Davis out there because he had five fouls or LeBron, one of the two, it should be like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it was like soccer and if you get a red card, you know, you can't play the next game. Okay, I get that, but that's not what this is. So, I, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. And that shows – that shows too, like, it's almost – you know, maybe, you know, I do want to stir the pot. I was going to say, I don't want to stir the pot. I do want to stir the pot. Maybe he doesn't Ooh. trust Jokic not to foul right there. Maybe Ooh. doesn't trust in his star player, you know, trouble in Denver. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that's something I'm going to look at. Actually, I'm going to look at it while we're, uh, what we're recording here. I want to see how many fouls Jokic is averaging per game in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. It seems like he is in foul trouble almost every game or foul trouble early. Because I know in at least one game in the series, he had to come out with seven minutes left in the second quarter because he had three fouls already. That was game one, yeah. When Dwight yeah was I don't know if it's him. because the Lakers play so physical or Jokic is just a weaker presence down low or a combination of both. Yeah. But he, he commits fouls because he can't keep up with the Dwight Howards who are, you know, more of a high flying act than he is or. AD, who's you know more skilled than he is, I don't know what the reason is exactly outside of those, 
But uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Maybe Malone didn't trust him to not foul. Trouble in Denver, man. Uh, Trouble in Denver. <laughs> looking ahead, uh, Lakers, you know, they're one win from the NBA Finals. It doesn't even feel real. Uh, like, I just said that out loud, and I think it's just a mixture of everything going on in the world this year and the bubble. And, you know, we're in September talking about basketball instead of June. But it just – it and plus, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs for eight, seven, eight years. Um, but they're one win away from the NBA Finals, Daniel. One win away. Like, one that just win. feels so surreal. Um, you know, we have this in our outline. Should Lakers – should Laker fans be worried of another 3-1 three, three comeback? I don't think so. I've said from the beginning of this series that I think this is a terrible matchup for Denver. Um, you know, they've kind of exceeded my expectations, I'll be honest. But in some ways, they haven't. You know, Jokic in this game, you know, foul trouble. And game one, like you mentioned, you know, he couldn't play crunch time because of his fouls. He didn't have a great game. Um, just that physical dominance by the Lakers down low. Murray's been fantastic. He's gotten better in every game. He was really good in this game. But I feel like – and granted, this series would be different if AD doesn't hit that buzzer beater. But, I mean – I feel like we've gotten the best version of the Denver Nuggets now three games in a row, and the Lakers won two of them. Um, can they lose three straight to the this Nuggets team, this best version of the Nuggets? I, it, of course, anything could happen. I just don't see it happening. You know, mm-hmm. the Lakers have more yeah. experience. LeBron, you know, he's been here. I don't think he they fold like the Clippers. Don't forget, Clippers blew a three one lead. Um, <laughs> I just I, I wouldn't be worried. I really wouldn't. Even if Nuggets win uh, Game Five. And it becomes the classic six-game series where the Lakers were in control the entire time. Um, I, I just wouldn't be worried now. Obviously, if it goes to Game Seven, then that's time to worry. But even a even a Game Five win, I don't think is too concerning. Yeah, neither do I. Also, I just looked up the personal fouls stat. Mm-hmm. Um, Jokic does lead the entire NBA playoffs by a wide margin in personal fouls. Interesting. He's got sixty-three fouls, and I think. You know, that has something to do with the fact that they've played two seven-game series here. Yeah. I mean, they've played 19 games. So he's got 63 fouls. That's eh, that's like a hair under four a yeah. game, which is that's a lot. And then number two is Jeremy Grant, his teammate, with 55, which makes sense, like we said. Paul George has 49, <laughs> not even in the playoffs anymore. And P.J. Tucker has 47, not even in the playoffs anymore. So he leads by a wide margin. Kind of interesting. I wonder what the reasoning behind that is, uh, just why he's so foul happy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a huge Jokic guy, and I was watching him throughout the entire season. I have like an exact answer. Um, maybe it is one of those things. Like he's a fantastic passing center, one of the best passing big men of all time. Um, but you know, physicality. He is a little. You know, he can get away with it with most teams because of the way the NBA is nowadays. But um against a team like the Lakers and other physical teams you know maybe he has to kind of make up for it a little bit you know what I mean and that can potentially lead to more fouls um I'm looking at is in the regular season he averaged three fouls a game um he's always averaged his career averages is 2.8 like that's pretty I did the math right now when you told me the numbers he's averaging 3.3 in the playoffs like that seems kind of high I mean I don't I don't study personal fouls for players um but three seems kind of high I mean LeBron averaged 1.8 you know what I mean? So yeah, um, yeah. These are there should be games where if you're a superstar, there should be games where you don't have any fouls or you have one foul. You know, and the fact that he's averaging three means that the higher end of it is five or six, and the lower end of that is one to two. If you know what I mean, like yeah, if you're averaging three, that means that you're in foul trouble a lot. Yeah, 
early too. I mean, we've seen that. I, I don't know. I might just be, if I had to guess the reason why he commits so many fouls, it's probably that he's just overmatched physically down low. Yeah. Yeah. He's really an offensive guy. He's an offensive minded player. He's not the greatest defender in the world. Yeah. I wonder how he would play in a, you know, like the eighties and nineties, the more physical style of basketball, if he'd even be the same guy. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, that's why basketball is so interesting is because the eras are so different. Um, I'm trying to look up the personal foul leaders right now. I had to log back into my stat head. It always logs me out and then I have to research the, the thing. Uh, so people that qualified for the minutes per game leaderboard, Jokic ranks sixth in total fouls trailing only Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, PJ Tucker, James Harden, Dwight Howard, and then Jokic. So interesting. That's a lot of rockets and grizzlies. Yeah. Uh, 222. So, I mean, he has more minutes than a lot of those guys. Actually, he doesn't. That's interesting. PJ Tucker had more minutes played than him. Harden. I mean, that's not too interesting. Uh, but even Dylan Brooks, you know, the difference Jokic played 23, 36, Dylan Brooks, 21, 12. Um, I don't know, man. It's interesting. This is something I didn't yeah. really expect going into it, but I'm not surprised. Not surprised in the yeah, slightest. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the Lakers are just, they're overwhelming. I, yeah. When you have to take try to take a charge against LeBron or defend AD on, and Dwight Howard on a, on a nightly basis, that's really, really tough as, a, as an NBA center. I don't care who you are. You know, yeah. even like a, you know, Rudy Gobert who just kind of stands in the post and waits. Like, he's a great defender. But even he would be given some problems, guaranteed, with well, uh, with that th- three, quarter three. Well, yeah, look back at the seeding game. AD torched him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yep, he torched sure did. him. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, game four, though, betting-wise, uh, I retook the lead in our season series, our playoff series, I should say. Um, I went one and one. I had the over and the over hit. So I had a, a dumb math moment. I was watching the game. It was, what is it, 114-108, I think it was? Yeah. Yeah. So in my head, because the over/under was, I believe, two fifteen. If I'm, yeah, two fifteen, or yeah. when it, it closed at two fourteen and a half. But when we recorded the podcast, it was two fifteen. Um, in my head, because I'm an idiot, I was talking to my dad. I was like, "There is someone out there right now that is riding on this uh, Jamal Murray three pointer." You know, at the end of the game, he takes that three. It would have made it one fourteen, one eleven. In my head, I thought that would have made it two fifteen. So like that final <laughs> possession, I was all like, "Come on, hit, hit the three, just so I can hit the over and hit something." Um, but he didn't. So, but it, the overhead anyways, it was 222 was the combined, you know, I just had dumb math there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Now you took the lead. You're 12 and 14. I'm 11 and 15. I mean, you went one and one. I went 0 and two. What can I say? Yeah. We both had Lakers minus six and a half. They won by six. So, and I think it closed at minus six too. So tough break for us. Yeah. Um, it's Vegas though. They know everything. I don't know how, but they do. Yep. They sure do. Game five though. A uh, pretty similar line. I think it's exactly what it closed at last game. Uh, Lakers minus six. The over-under is 214.5. Daniel, who went first last week or last episode? You did, I think. I'll go first again because that led to me getting a victory. Um, <sighs> look, I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets win game five and make it the classic six-game series where the Lakers were in control the entire time, but it went to six, so it looks closer than it was. I don't want to outright pick a Nuggets win because obviously I want to be optimistic and pick the Lakers, but I do think they'll cover. They've been great thus far. They've covered the last three games. 
Um, the Lakers have only, you know, against the spread, they're one and three. They're down one three in the series. Um, and I think the over probably hits again because I think this is the Lakers offense that, you know, will show up again. And I think maybe Denver just makes one more three and makes it a closer game. Um, I'm going to go with 117 to 115 Lakers. So that is a total of 132 points. Well, if you think the Nuggets are going to win, pick the Nuggets. I haven't been afraid to pick I the Rockets. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets win, but they're not going to win. The Lakers are going to win. Okay, got it. So I'm taking Lakers minus six and the over. Okay. Uh, so we only differ on one. I'm going with the final score prediction of 113 to 106. So you have them covering by one point. <laughs> yes, yes. And the over hitting by, what is that? I'm stupid. Uh, four and a half. Okay, so a few a few uh, late free throws. Yes, yes. I think that's going to kind of push it. I don't know, man. Going in the finals, this is the last game. Um, I could be 13 and 15, or I could be 13 and – I could be 14 and 14 if I hit both. I could enter the finals with a pretty big lead is what I'm saying um, if the Nuggets yeah, cover. a two-game lead at most is what you can enter the finals with. Now, I will say I hope the Nuggets don't cover because I hope it's just a blowout and, like, I could kind of maybe turn it off with, like, five minutes left in the game and not have to stress. Um, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the rest of the NBA playoffs, the one other series there is now, I say the rest, uh, the Miami Heat, they uh, won a pivotal game four, um, just like in this series, you know. I think it's a little closer in that series where 2-2, really anything could have happened where 2-2 in this series, the Lakers still would have been favored. Um, but it was a huge must-win game for both sides, and the Heat narrowly pulled it off again, 112-109. Tyler Hero has just been phenomenal in the playoffs, uh, 37 points in this game, which is just absurd. They had four players score above 20. That kind of just carried them. You know, it was him, Bam, Goran, and uh, Jimmy. Everyone else only had three points, uh, nine points combined, actually, if you're not one of those players. Um, man, the Heat are actually going to do it. They're actually going to do it. They're up yeah, 3-1. I think I'm departing from the Celtic ship. I think I am. <laughs> I think you have to down 3-1. They're not the Nuggets. Or is this the year of the 3-1, but this time it's the Celtics or the team that, that gets the 3-1. That would be interesting. I do think the Celtics probably win this game um, to make it 6. I think there's a good chance. Um, I'm looking at the series prices right now. Celtics plus uh, – wow, really? That's it? Plus 340, and they're down. Are you serious? Yeah. I was going to say, like, what, plus 1,000 or better? The Nuggets are plus 1,600. So oh, my God. Vegas still That's likes, awesome. thinks it's anything could happen. Obviously, the, the Heat are favored, but. I'm going to throw my whole bank account on the Heat series price. <laughs> what is it, like, minus 500? Uh, let me go back to I think it was, like, minus 460 or something. That's actually not awful. Like, I'd never bet something like that, but that's just. 490. Yeah, that's not horrible. I would expect it to be like minus a thousand. Yeah, um, yeah, man. If the Lakers make it, looks like they're gonna potentially play the Miami Heat. Um, you know, and then the parallels from this playoffs to the last time they won, or not the last time, but the uh, Kobe's first title without Shaq, I believe, the two thousand eight two thousand nine season. Um, the parallels get a little deeper. We talked about it at the beginning of the playoffs, but. Um, you know, the Lakers got through um, – not the Nuggets. They got through the Blazers in five games this year. I believe they got through the – who was it? The Jazz in five games in 2008-2009. I think that's mm -hmm. who it was. Yeah. 
I the Utah so, Jazz. Yeah. Got through them in five games. And then they took on Houston in round two. That was a seven-game series back in 2009. Um, this was only a five-game series, but they beat Houston. And then just like in 2009, they took on the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, and they won four games to two. Maybe Denver wins game five, and it's four games to two. And then they played a Florida team, the Orlando Magic, who – and granted, they are in Orlando right now, so they could win the title in the exact same city – um, but the Orlando Magic were not the team that many expected to come out of the East, just like the Heat. They were not the fifth seed. The Heat were the fifth seed. Ironically, the Heat were actually the fifth seed in 2009 as well. Um, you know, Orlando, they got through Boston. They took Chicago took them to seven games, but then they got through the big three in Boston in seven games. And then they took out LeBron in the Cavs in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, the parallels are kind of similar. Back then, I don't really remember because I was only 10 years old, 11 years old. No, 10. I don't know if there was like a – the magic or the team of destiny kind of like the heat are going into the finals. I don't know what the odds were or whatnot, but no, I think everybody knew the Lakers are going to take down the magic. Is that going to be this case? If the Lakers make the finals, are we just going to be like, this is a five game winner for the Lakers. Just like in 2009. I feel like if they play the heat, it's going to be a lot closer. I think it'll be a six or seven game series. Honestly, if they play the heat, but I do see them winning. Um, If it somehow happens to be the Celtics, I see the Lakers winning in five or six. I think the Heat are, have kind of just proved that they're a better team than the Celtics at this point in time. They're just grittier. They're you know they're more hungry. I guess you could say. They're, yeah. Like man. the Celtics play like they're playing in the regular season. If I'm being honest, and the Heat know where they are. You know they know where they came from. It's it's a very different circumstance there. But I think uh, either way, if the Lakers do make it to the NBA Finals, I have complete and utter confidence that they take it all. Who did the uh, who did the Heat play in round one again? I don't remember. It was the Pacers, right? Pacers, yeah, they swept them. I was trying to look at the fouls per games numbers to see if the Lakers were like didn't foul as much as the teams they played, but they have. Um, the Lakers averaged twenty one point one personal fouls in the regular season. Um, we're looking at Boston twenty one point seven, so that's not really a big difference. Um, Milwaukee was actually better nineteen point nine. LA Clippers, who blew a 3-1 lead down at 22.3. Third worst team in the league with fouls. That's actually interesting because the bottom six teams in the league all didn't make the playoffs besides the Clippers. So maybe that was a warning sign before uh, before the year even started. Um, <laughs> I committed too many fouls. Yeah, I don't know how many times the Heat are getting to the free throw line per game. I know Jim uh, Jay Buck gets to the line a lot, and he's been great from there. But um, it's interesting, man. They're a gritty team. They are a gritty team, and I definitely am not comfortable in a Miami Heat, Los Angeles Lakers NBA Finals um, if that happens, yeah. you know, I, I do like yeah. it more than a Milwaukee Bucks series, but yeah, we'll it's see. definitely tough to be comfortable because the Heat are just they're good, man. I mean, they've only lost two playoff games to this point. They're eleven and two. Yeah, but the Lakers have only lost three, so it's not like yeah, the Lakers have been three. struggling. Yeah, you know? so yeah. man, who would have thought the Heat? You know, who would have thought my girlfriend's cousin, who told me way back when the playoffs started that the Heat would be. Uh, representing the East in the NBA Finals, and I told him he was crazy. <laughs> yeah, makes you look like a fool. <laughs> look, man, I didn't expect Giannis to get hurt. That's the only reason the Bucks lost. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't expect the Heat to win either, beat the Bucks. so it's not like I can be talking, you know, and nobody did. Yeah. If you say that you legitimately thought that the Heat would beat the Bucks in that commanding of fashion, I think you're just lying. I don't, my girlfriend's cousin. I think he's the only person on earth that expected it. 
<laughs> I genuinely do. Because when I we talked about it, and I said, no, they're not getting past the Bucks, And he said, no, nah, I think they'll beat the Bucks." you know. He didn't say easily, but he's like, I don't think, you know, I think it'll be six games or less. He did say that. So, um, Wow. And his logic That's made a- sense. And I don't know why I didn't believe him. He was like, they're good at defense. They have the shooters, you know, that you kind of need in the playoffs that can get hot. You know, uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, whatnot. Jay Butt's a great leader. He's gritty. They got veteran experience with Iguodala. He broke down all these things. I said, nah, they're a year away. But maybe this, maybe we're going to be looking back at this. And if the Heat do win the NBA Finals, I'm not going to make excuses for the Lakers if uh, they do lose. Um, but it's going to be looked back on differently. It's going to be like, did the hiatus help the Heat? You know what I mean? Did the, did their younger players get more experience? You know, they're working out in the in the break, obviously. Um, you know, they just got a little bit more experience under their belt. They matured just a little bit. You know, those extra four months could be huge. Um, you good, Daniel? Yeah. Sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. Oh, really? I, yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we'll leave that in for the listeners so they know how unprofessional you are. Um, oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler ranked fifth in the NBA in uh, free throws attempted in the regular season. Uh, James Harden ranked first, though, and we beat him. Damian Lillard ranked ninth, beat him. Um, so we'll see. Kawhi Leonard ranked 12th. He blew a 3-1 lead. Let's not forget. Um, you got anything else, Daniel? Go Lakers. I'll be balling every day.